Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I'm honestly so grateful that you're subscribed to my podcast and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you. This podcast is all about bringing servant leaders to share their stories and life experiences with you all in the hopes to help more of you to find your true purpose and meaning to life. Today I have an incredible guest that I cannot wait for you all to listen to. Her wisdom is super inspiring. Her name is Lucy Shaukwijk. And she is a woman's empowerment champion, a connector, a skills development enthusiast, and is very passionate about connecting and empowering women in the workplace and writes about careers, networking, women's empowerment, and leadership. Born in the Netherlands, Lucy has always been a person that attempts to break out of patterns. She moved to Belgium to do her studies and then began a career in finance. Then the financial crisis hit and after the birth of her first child, she decided it was time to return home to her original dream, which was to travel. She moved to Burundi and started working in international development. Four years after that, pregnant with her third child, she moved to Rwanda. Lucy founded the career women's network Kigali, which began as an informal monthly gathering and has now grown into an organization with more than 500 plus members. In this episode, Lucy shares all about woman empowerment, leadership, and how you should focus on your vision, beliefs, and intention when it comes to living your life. So without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Hey Lucy, thank you so much for joining me on the Purposeful Mindset podcast. Honestly, I'm so grateful that we're connected and I have no idea how I found you through LinkedIn, but I somehow looked through a recommendation of a recommendation, how LinkedIn works, and I found your profile. Honestly, I just read through it like I do with most people, and I saw some of your videos that you have on the thread, and I was like, wow, like this person um, has this many languages, you speak a lot of languages, and I saw your profile, and I saw that you're out in Rwanda right now, and you're um, doing these events and uh, empowering women, and I was like this is someone that I definitely has a story and I want them to share it on my podcast. And I was like, I'm just going to like, you know what? Just like I always spontaneously message people. I was like, I'm just going to send her a message and a request, see if she accepts it and just ask her if she can come and share her story. And here you are right now. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for taking an hour of your time to come and, and, and share your wisdom and your story with everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sadiq. And uh, it mustn't be a coincidence that you found me. <laughs> but I, 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 I really appreciate LinkedIn. I mean, it's a great platform to Definitely. meet people. And, and one of my criteria for connecting with someone is that I, I have like, I guess I have three questions I ask. <laughs> well, one, I- is it an interesting profile? Okay. Huh? So I guess that I passed I, that one. So, I passed that one. I thought, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Two, are they nice? Like, how are they communicating with others? I'm definitely nice. I feel smiley face. <laughs> that, that must mean I'm nice, right? <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, me too. I love emojis too. But it seems to be a generational thing because people cool. like just 10 years older than me, they, they hardly use any of nope, them. They don't ever use full stop. <laughs> exactly and then the third question is like if they show up in Rwanda in Kigali would I want to meet them wow Um, yeah those are my three questions so congratulations you passed and I guess I passed yours (laughs) yeah who knows or elsewhere like if if there was an opportunity to meet the person 
in live in person in the flesh yeah. would i want that or not because sometimes mm. you're like, you don't really okay. want to meet everyone isn't it yeah it, it does make it maybe i'm a bit more strict on on, on random connection requests because yeah. they're closer think, to home yeah i think like there's a lot of like trust issues when it comes to social media so it's hard to judge through a profile or through someone's page if they're nice and if like um how they come across is hard to kind of judge that but i guess you can if they have videos or the way they kind of communicate with you you can actually tell if someone's being authentic and genuine or they're trying to like sell you something straight away absolutely absolutely if they're active if they're not active yeah. on linkedin it's Through very it. you, you can't really tell then it's like a cv um, mm-hmm. which True. doesn't really tell you much about the personality yeah it just tells you about what they've done well, I'm grateful that I passed your three question test. So thank you so much for accepting my request. Um, but, but seriously, like I'm, I'm genuinely really, I'm really like excited just to kind of hear your story because obviously we just had a conversation before this and I got to know you a little better. But I want to kind of like dive a little bit deeper now and kind of ask if you're open to kind of share your journey of like, where did you start and why, why are you doing what you're doing now but in, initially? Like, that's what I would love for you to share with everyone. And I, know, and I know everyone's going to be super excited. Like, guys, keep your ears <laughs> open to listen to this lady's wisdom. Because I'm telling you, just from her content, I can tell that she's doing some amazing things. I'm, I'm super excited just to listen. Well, thank you. That's, that's lovely. So uh, it's, I guess it's going to be a little bit of a long story. Because I think where I am now has to do with where I started out in life. And I think as young people we should become more aware of our initial kind of interests and passions and so on, mm-hmm. because I think they're, they're great ways of kind of understanding what your purpose and your path is. Yeah. I think we, we tend to underestimate kids and want to make them, you know, become serious and conform to the norm, but that's, that's where it goes wrong. <laughs> so basically, I grew up in, in a bicultural family. So my father is Dutch, my mother is American, and, and we would have these, although both Western cultures, we would still have a lot of discussions around the dinner table and clearly different points of view, also two languages um, I grew up with, although my schooling uh, was in Dutch, my mother always spoke English with us. So I remember early uh, one day, you know, at school, my mother picked me up and she was speaking English to me. And at that age, it was very normal for her to speak English to me and for me to respond in Dutch. I I had no problem with that. Nowadays, (laughs) I can't do that anymore. You have to kind of adapt. But at the, at the time that that's how it went. And, um, and so I had a friend who would break down crying because she couldn't follow half of the com- half of the conversation. This is when I was really like seven or so. Oh, wow. <laughs> but just to, to say that uh, it, it does kind of open up your um, perspective. I think growing up in these uh, this uh, cultural um, mix to understand that you know, different cultures view reality in different ways. And that makes you become more aware of there not being one dominant version, but that there are different kind of angles of viewing uh, reality. So that always kind of 
give me a, a bit of a, an advantage when relating to other people. Um, secondly, we grew up without television, so from an early yeah. age, I was pretty <laughs> bored, and I started to read a lot. <laughs> and uh, I, I tried some Dutch books, but they were quite depressing, often about illness and not kind of uplifting stories. So then I started reading Nancy Drew books, and then from Nancy Drew, I graduated to like the Western books. And then I found out I was actually more interested in the American Indians than the cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, I, I ended up with a, a book uh, translation, I think, from French, um, from uh, um, an author from the Caribbean called Segou, and it was about Africa and about a, like, um, a lineage of, of, of a, an African family and following different people and different generations. And that was so, I don't know, I fell in love with a book and I, I, I think there were two or three of them, so I read all of them. And then... Uh, uh, shortly after that, we got a we got television, and that was in '94. And that's wow. I think we only had our television in like two weeks, and then the Rwandan genocide broke out, wow. and I saw all of that stuff, uh, all the horrible things going on there on on you know live on television. And then later, when I uh, that was, I was about to. Finish high school, I think two years later, and I, I was browsing. So I had already kind of an interest in Africa, and I was browsing through different topics that I could study. And I came, I started at the A, and I I found African studies. I thought yeah. hmm, that's interesting. And then I remembered those images and I, I, I told myself, okay, I'll go anywhere except for Rwanda. I don't want to go to this country. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Anyway, so I, I guess most other parents thought my parents were kind of foolish for letting me decide what I was going to study because most, stu most of the other, uh, you know, the other um, kids at school had to study law or medicine or something that their parents would approve of. But mine, uh, I guess they were happy that I, I always kind of knew what I wanted to do. So they didn't really interfere that much. So they just let me go ahead. And I also knew that this particular study came with like um, travel because uh, we would go after two years of studying uh, the language because uh, the, the, the course included Swahili. So after two years, we would go to Zanzibar <laughs> for like an intensive Swahili course. So that was also great <laughs> uh, benefit of, of studying this. So, so uh, I went ahead and um, I, I did go to Zanzibar and uh, I loved Africa. I came back later to do an internship um, at Kenya Airways because uh, in the meantime I had gotten afraid that I might not find work after studying something like this so uh, I, I did a minor in, in uh, business business administration and I, I landed a 
marketing internship uh, with Kenya Airways in Nairobi. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's my husband who, who is from Burundi. Um, at the time, he, he wasn't really interested. He, we met in the Netherlands. He wasn't really interested uh, in, in going to Africa. So, so I, that was a bit of a, a drawback for me because I was really waiting to graduate and go to Africa. But um, yeah, that didn't happen. So I, I, uh, I started looking for a job and I ended up in the financial sector. And um, because I spoke several languages, I, I speak French. I think you mentioned all these languages. So, and I also had some exposure to IT during my studies. And so I started working at a, at a help desk uh, for banks. And then um, from there, because um, I was getting a bit restless in, uh, you know, staying in the Netherlands, I really wanted to you know, go to other countries, see more of the world, get an experience living abroad. So there was, our head office was in Belgium. So I thought, okay, I may not be able to go to Africa just now, but let's move to <laughs> another country in Europe then. So, so he was okay with that. And, uh, and, and we moved to, so I, I um, got a job at the head office and and we moved to Belgium, and then from there I somehow got I, I did a second master in political science, and um, and then I as I was kind of wrapping up my thesis for the second master, all the while working full time in in uh, at the time it was now in a Belgian bank. Uh, still in payments clearing and settlement mm. and I was also pregnant but that's, a, that's another story <laughs> but I was doing a lot of things and uh, and somehow I yeah I had given birth by then and I I, I took some um, my maternity leave had ended I was back at work and then I had kind of a um, study leave to finalize my thesis. And I, I was just looking around because I thought a new kind of um, degree will offer maybe new opportunities to kind of reassess if I'm going in the right direction mm. and to see if, there, if I can still kind of pivot to another path. So, because I still, in the back of my head, I'd always wanted to go to Africa and to work in international development. So now with this new master and being in Belgium also where there's much more of a connection to Africa than in the Netherlands, mm. I, I thought, let me look around. And, and I actually uh, stumbled upon uh, a job vacancy in Burundi. And my husband is from Burundi and we had been there, um, we had gotten married there actually. So, nice. and as we were there, I ran into a former um, classmate uh, with whom I studied uh, at university in the Netherlands for my first degree. And so when I was browsing through this job site, I noticed this job in Burundi with that same lady 
who I'd met, we'd bumped into uh, in Burundi a year before, and we had completely lost track of each other before, but that time when I bumped into her, I'd taken her email address. Uh. And so uh, that was the Sunday night or something. So uh, the next day I was looking for that. I went back to the job site, looked for the vacancy, and it had disappeared. <laughs> But luckily, I still had her email. <laughs> and so I reached out. I asked, can I still apply? I saw it yesterday, but now it's gone. She said, well, I won't have time to look at the CVs until next week. So if you can send it to me by, by Friday, then I can still include it. And so, so that's uh, kind of how it happened. Um, anyway, it, it's another long story. There was a test and everything. Uh, and I came out best out of the test, <laughs> uh, whereas I hadn't worked in this sector before, but I, I, I have a good friend named Google. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that worked, that worked out perfectly. So maybe it wasn't so much a coincidence. Maybe it was meant to be, I don't know, but we ended up uh, moving to Burundi. Uh, shortly after, and by the, that time I had a 15-month-old baby, and by that time my husband had been in, I think, in Europe for about seven years, and he had already, like the honeymoon was over, and he was ready to go back, so... <laughs> because <laughs> the first few years when he was there, he didn't really see any reason why he would go back, but... Yeah. After seven years, he'd encountered some some things, uh, you know, some racism, some some incidents and things that he was like, hmm, okay, it's not as, you know, in the beginning he was really in the kind of, um, you know, everything is new and you're super excited. So it's the timing was good for all of us, and and then we we went to Burundi, and. Um, there, uh, yeah, I started a, um, I was working for a small uh, Belgian NGO in the area of uh, children's rights and uh, social economic reintegration of street children and uh, former child soldiers. So um, wow. in, in Burundi and in Eastern DRC. So it was quite a, a switch, <laughs> but I'd been uh, already somehow involved through his family. He, he actually had, uh, his mother was a school, or she still is a school principal, and his, his neighbor was a journalist who had like a children's rights program, and his aunt had an orphanage. So I'd already somehow been involved in the sector, but not like for my living, but with volunteer experience so it wasn't completely new so yeah so so that actually went well um it it uh, initially was a bit tough to start uh, an organization from scratch because the person who was there before me had never formally registered it and it was kind of oh, wow. yeah it wasn't really running properly so, so that was a, a big process. And then uh, there was also a, an ongoing program in North Kivu mm. in uh, Eastern DRC that I, that I had to follow up on. Um, that was also a big adventure. The <laughs> first time I went to DRC, I, 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 I got ill pretty, pretty badly. 
and uh, yeah, got was kind of stuck uh, for a number of days in my hotel room trying to c- recover from. You know, they said it was like typhoid or something like that. It was quite uh, scary, but I'm not sure if it was that though, because I was I, I had been uh, vaccinated against it. But whatever they gave, they gave me like antibiotics and it worked. And I, <laughs> a week later, I, I, I continued my, my, my trip. Um, anyway, so that was kind of a big change <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in my life. From, from there, I, we stayed in Burundi for about four years. So I had two more kids. Um, and then as... The, um, as I was kind of, actually, no, I had one more and then I was pregnant with the third when the funding stopped. Oh. And so that was a tough uh, time. So I was pregnant with my third kid. I'd been the main kind of breadwinner and I was, you know, out in Burundi. So not really protected like you know in in Europe it would have been much harder if you were three months pregnant and your contract is ended Um, so that was a difficult time Um, but I I did manage to find uh, yeah to survive we we kind of lived on savings for a while and then I found uh, I got two job offers at like seven months pregnant which was quite yeah that was quite an accomplishment actually because uh, it wasn't easy yeah and then uh, one in Burundi and one in Rwanda and then we chose to go to Rwanda because the political situation in Burundi was not um, going in the right direction and we knew there would be elections the next year and that's usually not a very uh, stable time in, in many countries here. And especially they're considering the maximum term was already passed. We, we kind of expected some instability. Mm-hmm. So from there, I came to Rwanda um, with three kids. But in the meantime, I'd given birth. So I came when the youngest was eight weeks. Eight weeks, and yeah, yeah, I, I, that pregnancy, and it wasn't really uh, easy. I didn't get a chance to enjoy it, so I didn't really have proper maternity leave. I just took two months because, you know, we needed the salary. And, um, yeah, so the first day on the job, I was told we were, we're sp- I supposed to be based in some other town and not the capital, which was... Uh, was uh, not what I had applied for so uh, yeah so luckily I was able to stay in the capital and then um, three weeks into the job there I we had to go on a retreat but I was still breastfeeding um, so that was also tough I I had to negotiate to bring the nanny uh, and ended up paying for her accommodation Um, so yeah this one thing after the other led me to kind of think, okay, um, I can't really complain because I'm happy uh, to have this job. I don't yeah. want to lose it. 
um, but I also need some help. <laughs> so I, I decided to find other women who are um, with like similar schedules and similar ambitions uh, like, as myself. So I decided to focus on like um, professionals in similar uh, positions. And um, so together with a, a colleague, we organized a networking dinner or Actually, I, um, I, I came up with the idea and we both brought three to four ladies. So the first dinner, we were eight. And then from there, I, I kept organizing one every month. And um, yeah, and then each time the ladies would invite other ladies. And before I knew it, this was a big thing. And, and I, I hadn't really planned it to be anything more than me kind of sharing my frustrations and getting some advice from other women and just, you know, testing out the different restaurants in town. Um, but um, initially also we were mostly um, foreigners, but then I, I made a, a conscious decision to, to find more uh, Rwandan women. And, uh, and then I created a WhatsApp group to start kind of um, managing um, the communication and then before we knew it the group started to be used to share job opportunities to share training opportunities scholarship opportunities things like that so it became really really empowering right. yeah and then from from there we, we were becoming too big to go to restaurants so I, I then eventually uh, registered it as as a company um, but it's like a social enterprise, and uh, and we started to then have to book hotels, organize bigger events, and now they're really big events. And we sell tickets for these events because it's it, it wasn't it's not a donor funded thing. It was just a, a homegrown solution, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah, so we've we've grown. We've we have many uh, members now. Uh, we're about uh, well, we have um, you know different membership types. So if you take all the social media platforms together, we're about seven hundred. Wow. Um, but then if you take like uh, the people who who we have a relationship with on WhatsApp, we're, we're fewer, we're about 400. And then the people who are actually up to date on the membership, we're, memberships were about 200. So, yeah, that's another thing. We introduced membership fees, which wasn't easy when you start something for free and then you start charging people yeah. um, but we also as we grow we offer more opportunities they get like some of them have had free trainings or free entries to conferences or being on guest lists for certain events which are invitation only mm -hmm. uh, things like that or they get to be interviewed on television or things there are many different, uh, once you're organized, uh, opportunities find their way to you. 100%. Yeah. And, and so myself also, I've grown in the process because I had to kind of give like a welcome speech at each event. So 
and I've learned now to, to speak in public. I, I, I can do it. I'm no longer, you know, before I would be kind of shy that yeah. that's all <laughs> over okay. with. My, yeah. So I've, I've grown through this. Um, I, I wasn't really on Twitter and I, I had to, because people here use Twitter a lot. So I had to start using it for the network to market. And it's actually our strongest uh, platform as a network. Wow. For me personally, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm stronger on LinkedIn. Although I'm also now quite active on Twitter because I'm also behind the other Twitter accounts. So I kind of learned <laughs> the tricks. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I've, I've grown along with this. I've learned a bit about entrepreneurship and everything. And, and I found my passion, I think. And um, I, although I've had two kind of different careers, I, I see a common thread in them as me kind of bridging gaps, bridging divides between like at SWIFT or at KBC, the bank I used to work for, I would be between business and, and developers. Huh? So as as an application manager huh? and uh, or at swift i would be between the customer banks and and yeah. and the back like the the internal departments as as customer support and uh, technical support so and then here i'm also kind of bridging the gap between very different we're a very diverse network. We're all working, but we're from different backgrounds in all different industries. I'm again kind of connecting people. So that's that's basically what I do. And I it's a shame that Nokia took that motto because it should <laughs> <laughs> connecting people. Connecting yeah. People, yeah. Yeah. That's so no, like that's just listening to like what the journey that you've been on is is really I guess it's inspiring for someone like me because like to be honest only recently is when i've also been like growing like uh let's say like a, a fan base or a following or you know just even for the podcast right the people that listen to the podcast that like, these people are are people that i genuinely either know personally through social media that they know that i have this podcast or they could be just random people that reach out to me um that find my podcast right but even if it even if i just forget about the podcast in general, like my, in my life right now as a speaker. So the end of last year is when I decided to be a speaker because I found my true calling and purpose in that. And I started speaking at different like events in London, which I currently do. And I, all, and I, and I just speak for free everywhere in London, which any event I can find now, I go there and I speak for free, just be of service, you know, and, and, and I just want to give back until I can build up some, some kind of credibility and, and a portfolio that people want me to come and speak at their event then I would then I would consider start charging but for now like I keep telling people like and the people that know me anyway like I don't do things for money I genuinely do things for my heart like especially when it comes to like my content like this podcast my all my content on social media like I genuinely do it do it for my heart because I love it I love inspiring someone I love that our words or a video or something that we can just get across to someone in some form of communication can genuinely touch someone's life and, and change it. And yeah. for me, that was like the most fulfilling thing. And I'm like listening to you now and talking about how you grew this network from, from eight people. Like imagine like in the one small dinner, you said eight people and suddenly word of mouth just spreads like wildfire. And you've got like what, 700 now you said. Yeah. All, all together throughout platform. So it's like, 
networking is one of the things I tell all the listeners all the time. Like you have to go and network, go to events, social media, however you can connect with the right people. And those people will connect you with the right people. And then those people will connect you to the right people. And that's how life is. I didn't yeah. know five years ago that I'm going to be the speaker and this super confident guy today. I seriously <laughs> had no clue because my story, just kind of to, to give you a little insight, Lucy, is like over five years ago, before I started personal growth and started reading these books and following these mentors online and stuff, I was a super shy guy. Like I genuinely was super shy. And guess what? I couldn't speak to a woman. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that, that was me. <laughs> so imagine from, from that guy that, um, that, you know, genuinely was shy to sit in the back of like every event, every classroom, everything. I was always sit in the back. Um, when I was around women, I couldn't speak. Like my mouth just closed. And, um, and like, I, I was like genuinely like sweating and like shy. And I didn't know what to say because I used to care so much about what they, what they would think about me or how they would judge me. And I just couldn't do it. And I had eight friends. I only spoke to these eight friends, went out with these eight friends. You know, we played games together. We went out and like had, had dinners together. But the whole point I'm trying to make is like how I went from those eight friends to now all the thousands of people that are connected to me through all my platforms. Like now I love networking and I tell people like I only met the right people at the right time, as you said earlier on. And those people would suddenly can just change your life in some yeah. way, in some way they'll inspire Absolutely. you. And, um, and, and I think and, it's um, a good time to be young, actually. You don't have to... Like it, when I was your age, there there was no social media, <laughs> so I sound right. really yeah. old now. But uh, I think you don't have to wait that long to do what you should be doing. Huh? Like uh, what I like about uh, LinkedIn, for example, and I, I mean this this is true for other social media. You can attract people who have a similar kind of vibe as yourself and similar interest, and it's really empowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they're more supportive than your than your own family, so it's it's no, nice. To have I think all the time. Home, you know? Yeah, I think all of the time, Lucy. Not even yeah. sometimes. I think all of the time, the strangers that we meet through social media or through events in real life, usually yeah. both people see our energy and our and our passion for what we do. And they're usually the ones that actually make us go after our dreams. Usually, if I'm being honest, most, I'm not going to say everyone's, but most people's parents from the people that I speak to on a daily basis tell me they don't do what they do because someone in their family or a friend of theirs, someone that's very close to them in their life is stopping them and they care about their opinion and they're not, yeah. they're not going after their dream. For example, they're studying something that they don't like in university because their parents want them to do it. And I'm yeah, like, exactly. well, you don't yeah. like it, so why are you wasting your time doing it? Why can't you just be open and honest with the person that's making you do it and say, look, I want to do something else in my life. Yeah. But you but can't I, do I think that if you're not independent. Addicted to, to the approval and the criticism of others. And we have to disconnect from that and understand that we can find all of that in ourselves. But, uh, but, but yeah. talk to me a little bit about that, Lucy. Like you just said, like, we, we can find that passion and we can we can find that drive in ourselves, but how can someone listening right now genuinely find that thing and, and go after it? Because most people, number one, they're scared. Like they have a creative um, like idea or a business or a passion that they want to do in their life, but they're stuck because they're scared about what people are going to say, or they're scared about like their parents or someone like not allowing them to do it and the approval of, 
having their yes to go ahead with it and they're genuinely just scared to just just go after it what would you say to that person now that's listening and thinking like I don't know what to do I don't know how to start yeah I would say go for what you're really really curious about or passionate about and usually you already know this at a quite a young age like I told you I started to read these books about Africa and draw you know, images of Africa at a very young age. I think I, I was maybe in first or second grade of high school uh, at the time, or maybe even end of, of, of primary. It was quite early on. And, and I already see it in my kids. You know, my, my son is, is into cheetahs. He's very obsessed with cheetahs. And my daughter is like really into art. She draws and paints. And so I think we all have something like that. And I, I think our parents and society and the way we're raised then kind of pushes us away from that and towards what is the norm and what is expected of us. And, uh, so I think that follow your curiosity, because in my case, my curiosity is always more powerful than my, my fears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And then secondly, sometimes you need to kind of disconnect or, or move even to another country to be yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because if, the, if that pull uh, towards, you know, if your parents or your family have too much of a hold over you, it's very difficult to become yourself if you're overprotected or in an environment where it's not possible. So just, you know, stepping out of your environment can already, can already make a, a big difference. And, and then I think just if you do what you really love, then it's not, you can enjoy the process and then yeah. you can start creating or start doing something. And then before you know it, a year has passed or two years have, have passed and suddenly there's something um, or maybe five, you know, but if you enjoy the process, you know, you don't really see how the, how, how, how time goes. And I, I think we should also not be so, I think sometimes also we put a lot of pressure on ourselves trying to think, okay, I have to have a purpose or a passion. It can evolve. It can change. Like I've done different things and I see a thread of something like the connecting of people in there and this pull towards Africa. But I mean, I've done different things and then, and I've had also different interests of d- at different times and it does evolve uh, with time so I think that's perfectly normal and that's perfectly fine I think um, what we should teach children and what we should try to do ourselves is find you know something we're curious or passionate about and and, and the only way we can find that as well Lucy is like if do we do it and stop yeah. that if we keep if we keep trying new things, I was saying like, um, sorry to cut you off. I was, I was just saying like, you know, if we, if we don't try new things and different things in our life and express our creativity in different ways, how are we actually supposed to know what we like? You know, like for yeah. example, I've done, like I've worked in retail and I didn't like it. Then I'm working in the bank now. I, it's not really my passion, but I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for the professionals and the, the mindset of the people I'm around. I, I like learning from uh, the people that are very professional and that, that are very uh, intelligent, let's say, in their field. I like learning from those types of people. 
but it's not my, you know, I don't go to work excited every day thinking like I love my job because I don't. It's, for me, it's just a, a form of an income for me for now. And my passion is doing this. It's creating content, it's sharing my thoughts, is, is, is doing personal development on a, on a daily basis, growing myself and my mindset every day to just try to become a better version of myself for the next day. And it's speaking on stage is for me, that's my zone. I go on the stage and yeah. I'm like, I swear I can just be myself now. Cause I just, the day I stopped caring about other people's judgment and opinion of me, I was like, screw it. Like, I don't care about what you think about me. I and actually, they're, they're too busy thinking about themselves. Exactly. Uh, when I found that out, <laughs> that, so was, that was freedom for me because they forget, even if you walk naked down the street, maybe it will be like in the papers for one day or so. And then maybe week or month. Or, you no, know, I'm just giving like an extreme example. But mostly it's ourselves carrying around this shame or guilt or no one else really cares about it. They, okay, they may laugh at it when they see it, but then it's over and they're back to their own issues. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. I saw Giri, like one of my mentors once taught me, like he said it so nicely. I couldn't remember how he said it, but he basically said, um, the people that care about what other people think about them, usually it doesn't matter because the person that you think that is caring about your life actually is not, they actually have their own problems and challenges they're thinking about in their own head. Yeah. The people that matter don't care. And the people that care don't matter. What did they So there's a quote like it's that. Quote, yeah, that's the one I was yeah. thinking of actually. Yeah. It was something yeah, like, exactly. yeah, it's, it's something like that. Right. Basically yeah. in, in short, in my version is people don't really care about, what's going on in your life because they're so worried and, and overthinking and overanalyzing what's happening in their own life. That, yeah. so, they, so they don't really, yes, they're observant and yes, they're aware of what's going on around them, but really inside the head, nobody knows you. Like nobody knows the other person and what people are going through in general in life. Yeah. And we tend to like judge people very, very fast. Oh, that's something I mean there are a couple of things you have to stop <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I stopped judging because uh, I was very shy and self-critical mm. but I was I was also judging everyone else but then it turned against me so I was also very judgmental of myself so, so how when did you I dropped that? that how how I stopped yeah how did you how did you overcome that or like how did you stop judging people Huh. I don't know. There were like, I think it came, there was also blaming, you know, I, yeah. I was raised in a family where my, my mother never worked and she was always complaining, mm. blaming. It was a very negative kind of atmosphere that that created. But initially I kind of took on that same behavior because that's what I'd always seen. And then after a while, I just realized I wasn't really happy just always complaining about things and uh, there was no one to complain to because I didn't live with them anymore uh, you know I was living by myself at a certain point and I thought well I, I mean I can't complain or I can do no something to about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped complaining and I started taking started taking like action if I wasn't happy with something then I would change something and see how that would work out and if that didn't work out I would try something else and so it became a much more constructive process and and then gradually I, I was actually kind of somehow 
judging others less, I was still kind of harsh on myself. I was actually nicer to others at a certain point. But somehow uh, with time, I also kind of learned to kind of love myself. But that took time. Like uh, initially, oh. I wouldn't even like to see myself on a picture. Yeah, and, I know the feeling. Later, I got used to pictures, but then videos was still a big hurdle. Yeah. And now I can actually see myself on a video and, and, and like myself. It's, it's <laughs> no, <laughs> on one right now. You're on the video right now. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm still kind of... <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because I see my, pers- my personality shine exactly. through. And I, 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 yeah. You so, know, one of the things I love about video is that we can watch ourselves back and just see, like, see things that we don't see about ourselves, if that makes sense. Meaning, like, when you watch a video of yourself and then you analyze it, you can actually see things that you do that you don't realize you're doing. For example, like, I know I move my hands a lot when I watch my videos from the passion and from the love of what I'm speaking about. Like, I, I move my arms around a lot. Um, when I'm on stage, I can't, I never stand still. I can't stand still. I'm a guy that just, I love to move around, love being active, I love doing things. So even on the stage, I, I sometimes I take the I, I, I mess around with my friend and I say, guys, what one day when I'm on a TEDx stage, right, or on the TED stage, that I, I that carpet's too small for me. <laughs> I can't walk. <laughs> I can't. There's not enough space for me to walk around on that carpet and share my passion and share the story I'm going to share on there because I need space to walk around. I was like, how am I going to stand on this red red carpet? Maybe they have like a, a bigger size for you, like extra, Hopefully, extra I'm gonna, large. I'm gonna, <laughs> if I ever do go on that stage, I'm definitely going to actually ask for a bigger carpet so I can move around a lot more. Yeah, um, but it's good to know yourself like that. Like, uh, I, I, you know, when I have a written out speech, it doesn't really work for me. Me too. But then if I just have these talking points and yeah. like a, not, I don't want to be behind something. I need a microphone in my hand and I walk around and, and then I'm really spontaneous and it really yep. goes naturally. But if I'm stuck behind this this, this Robotic thing, script, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and with a written out speech, that, that, yeah. that doesn't work for me. But it's good. By practicing here, you get to know what works, what doesn't work. And you yeah, and also everybody's personality is different. So some people yeah. do like the presentation type of speaker, speaker. And some people are just free-flowing like me, just like to go and just share from, share from the heart. Whatever comes spontaneously to you at the moment, or whatever you feel in the moment. I go with the feeling I have of the crowd and of the energy in the room and of just what's in my head that I think is going to add the most value to these people in this room. And I usually just go with the vibe. I go with the feelings that I get. And I find it always works. And I can, I, I manage to hold the room kind of uh, in a positive environment where they're, they're not falling asleep. I try to, what I do the most, is I, <laughs> I, I engage with them so they don't fall asleep. Yeah. You know, I okay. literally will go up and I'll pick on people. And I, like, I do that kind of stuff because for me, like being a speaker, I think the biggest thing of being a speaker is really nobody gives a shit about us. Let's be honest, like nobody cares about who you are. They're really there at that event, whether it's free or paid. They're there to change their life, something in their own life. That's why they came to the event in the first place, right? So yeah. the way I think, think about it is, Sadiq, nobody cares about you. You're just here to share a message that is going to touch one of their hearts or their head, or wherever it's going to hit in their life that they can take away and take action on in their life. And they might even like send you a spontaneous message one day saying, because of you, you changed my life. Thank you so much. 
for yeah, me, that's the most fulfilling thing that you get from from just spreading content in general. Like, I just love those messages that, are, like, like I said earlier, your words, a video, some kind of a podcast, an audio, whatever it is, some form of content can genuinely change someone's life. But if you don't put it out, if you don't put your thoughts out there into the world, then they're only going to stay thoughts and you're going to die with these ideas. And, and when yeah, you're... and I find actually um, the more content I create, the more inspiration I get. So 100%. it's like inspiration visits me more often because they know it's, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, it's going to see the light of day, so to speak. 100%. Yeah, no, some people are afraid that like if you get share all of your ideas then you'll run out but yeah. <laughs> that's not my experience it. yeah i i find that the more i i can and some people are stealing <laughs> like oh. i mean with this network and the events we do and the things we do i mean there are people trying to imitate it but uh, I mean, the, anyway, it's also a good thing if they're trying to empower more women. Uh, that's all the better. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but it won't ever be exactly the same because they can see what I've done in the past. But this is just a reflection of my past ideas. Yeah. But my current ideas, <laughs> they will only see the manifestation in the future so exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what they copy now is already going to be outdated when they put so it out true. there so yeah. true because we're constantly coming up with new refreshing ideas right yeah yeah absolutely well, i love that that's so like only i love this conversation it was so it's just getting like more and more juicy the, the longer it goes on but, <laughs> i mean what would you say okay so i'll have a question so what is what would you say to someone listening now let's say like they they do have a lot of ideas like in their head currently like right now in their head they're listening they have these ideas that they want to manifest in reality but they're not taking the step like they're not taking the one step the action step to just start how does that person start what's your advice to that person now that has these ideas in their head but as i always share in my content they just don't take action they just have the ideas they love talking about it but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, I, I think I think there's um there's this Robin Sharma clo- quote that's um you know I look up when I try to remember or want inspiration. <laughs> I don't know. I have two different directions depending on if I'm recalling something existing or tapping into something new. Um, but um, yeah, the Robin Sharma quote is um, uh, start small. Um, what is it? Dream big, start small, act now, or something like that. So, mm-hmm. and the, the the dream should be big. Uh, yeah. The vision, the vision should be big. It's like what if in a good way, not what if, huh? but what yeah. if? What if I become? Huh? But then uh, you start small. I mean, you have to take small steps that you are able to realize so that that that's motivational if you see small things you've accomplished then and each time you do it a little bit bigger a little bit better mm-hmm. and now i mean if you start now in one or two years you'll be somewhere uh, yeah. if you wait two years you'll be nowhere so yeah i, I mean i mean the, lately i've been 
shifting because <laughs> initially I thought it was like ideas and nothing and you just need to execute uh, yeah. and that is yeah. differences in the execution. Nowadays, I don't really think that anymore because <laughs> I think, you know, the vision, the intentions, the beliefs are very important and the state of being already feeling and, and being what you, what you want to become. Um, in the physical realm, so to speak. But still, there's a, there are steps that you then need to take. If you, if you adopt that state of being, there are certain actions and responsibilities that come with that. If you say, I am a speaker, then with that comes a certain responsibility. In my case, <laughs> for example, now with this network, I, uh, people know me here, so if I run into anyone, they could be a member, <laughs> so I have to be nice to everyone, you know, yeah. I have to smile at them like we know each other and, some, and greet them sometimes, and you know, so, and it turns out sometimes they know me, and, and many times people know me, and sometimes I don't even know they know me or they're watching me, so it's a bit yeah. scary at times. Uh, but sometimes they actually don't know me, but because I'm so nice to them, then they want to join <laughs> the That's network really as well good. as new members. So anyway, so you you kind of, um, you know, you're your own little company or brand and you have to live it, not just when you're online doing this no. podcast, but when you go True. grocery shopping or, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you follow, do you follow a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah, yeah. You must do, right? I mean, he's a perfect example of that. Like, you know, people, when he's walking around, I can only imagine when he's walking around with his family even sometimes and people know him in the streets. Like, hey, Gary V, like, can we take a selfie? And because he's so known in the world right now through his social media presence and him just being so authentic and real and genuine with everyone. You know, that's a stage where I would love to be one day where people know you for a good reason. Like, they know that you're empowering the world. You... You, you, you have a vision that you want to help people and spread that kindness, positivity and stuff into the world. Um, and it's, it's a good thing, I think, if a lot of people know you. Of course, sometimes it can be a bad thing when you just want to enjoy some time like secretly <laughs> and people don't see you in the, in the public and you're just like trying to hide yeah. from them. I, you know, I can only imagine how a celebrity's life is. Um, yeah. But in general, I think it's a good thing that like, you know, people are getting inspiration from something that you're doing that you love and they are just connected to that kind of source yeah. and taking that energy from you to do to their, do their own thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're coming uh, up. In the- I, I, uh, I met someone who's very like famous person on LinkedIn, big mm-hmm. influencer on LinkedIn. What's I was traveling. Uh, I, I don't think I, I, I'm not sure if I should say it. Oh, okay, okay. That's fine. I, I was traveling. I met this person and, uh, and I, I was in her country. And then I asked her, like, no one, no one knows you here. Like, they're not, they're not greeting you or looking at you. And she's, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm known on LinkedIn, but here, you know, locally, I'm just living here. And that, to me, for me, it's kind of funny because I, I I'm, uh, here in Rwanda, people, it, of course, it's nice because it's a very small kind of, you know, it's a small country and a small capital. So it's quite easy to know one another, even yeah. if you're not, um, you know, even if you don't have social media or whatever uh, going on. 
Um, but it was funny because it gives you a different uh, perspective on some of these influencers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are only influencers online. True. But not necessarily offline. Um, so, anyway, I, I, I'd like to take it beyond uh, social media. 100%. Social media is a great tool, uh, yeah. but it has to be more a way of life, I think, if you yeah, really want to. Sure. Um, I'm totally with you. I think yeah. the human interaction can never go away. It's, it's the best. No. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Um, I mean, you need a network online, but you need it offline as well. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Because I think social media is amazing to meet people. And it's, it's how I personally take my online connections offline. Because I think yeah. we can meet more, we can physically, I mean, we can physically every day meet more people online than we can actually go and meet them in real life. So it's an amazing platform and tool to, to be using, to utilize and to, to meet more people and attract them to us. But then get those people to actually become your real life friends, to be, actually become your real life um, kind of interactions on a daily basis. Because initially that's like, initially we are not robots, right? We're not just machines. We are like... The only thing that differentiates us and a robot is the ability for us to dream and to think. A robot cannot yeah. do that because someone designed it and they just have a chip inside. So they cannot dream, they cannot think for themselves. They're only programmed to do a certain thing. So after all, like we have to realize that as human beings as well, as much as content we're putting out online, that's more just for us to reach more people. But we need to take those online connections offline and show people that we're real, show people that we are that guy on the video. You know, yeah. like I always tell people that meet me for the first time after they've met me from online, like yourself, when they meet me offline, I'm like, Was I, am I any different to who I am in my videos? They're like, nah, you're just literally the same guy. Like, you're, but we're yeah. seeing you now in flesh and we can feel your energy and stuff. And I'm like, see, I, like, I, I try my best to be as authentic and real as I can online and not trying to put on an act or like a mask in front of everyone online. Because there's no yeah. point, people will find out find out the truth eventually if you're trying to be someone fake online right yeah and i think that i mean the more authentic uh online personal brands work much better 100 percent. somehow people see through yeah it's, it's, it's obvious you, you can yeah. you can definitely see through it it's, it's, it's so it's so obvious yeah but yeah, Lucy, thank you so much for, for everything you shared. I mean, we're coming up to the end of the episode. And at the end of all my podcast episodes, I do this thing called the final four, where, oh <laughs> where I ask four questions that you have no idea what they are. Um, four, three of them are actually the same for most of the guests I have. But the first one I made specifically just for you, and I want to just get your thoughts. But they're all literally the first answer that comes to your head. Yeah? Ready? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so the first question I've got for you is, it's not that hard. I mean, you're going you're gonna to fly through this one. It's literally just how can someone listening to the podcast right now empower another person after listening to this? What would be one of your things that you teach people or you share with people on a daily basis that allows them to empower someone else? Like, for example, you have in your network. How do you get your network to empower other people that they run into on a daily basis? I think you first have to be it before you can then share it with others. I think empowerment comes from within. Yeah. Um, and what I'm doing with the network is creating an enabling environment where people can express themselves, where they can be safe, try out things, become what they, what they dreamt of but didn't dare 
do. So I think empowerment comes from within, but if we, for example, stop judging, blaming, and, and, and let people, you know, decide for themselves and follow their own path, I think we're, we're always quick to kind of um, stop other people from dreaming or from living their dreams. And it's not our place to decide for them because we all, we all have our own path. We're not competing because Sadiq's path and my yeah. path are not the same. So yeah. if you're, if you think like this, there is no competition because we're all on our own personal journey and, and understanding that will also change how you relate to others. I love that. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. The second question I want to ask you is what is, so throughout your whole lifetime, what is the one video or, a, or like a documentary or a movie that you've seen that you would want everyone to see? Because in some ways, positively, like had a really good impact in your life. What, can, you, can you name like a, 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 a film or it could be a, f- a film, a documentary, something that everybody can go back and actually take action on by at least watching something that will empower them and, and help them take that next step in their life. That's interesting because I've always had different different books at different stages in my life. Mm-hmm. Like this book, Segu, I really, it, it made me fall in love with Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Maurice Condé, the writer, was one of the um, candidates for the uh, Nobel uh, Prize for Literature, but she didn't wow. win, but she was one of those. So that was a great book. But I also loved the Shawshank Redemption at the time. I think I've watched that like four or five times. I I loved that one. Um, And then, yeah, these days, oh, there's so many books I read. But I like Deepak Chopra. Uh, Which book specifically? Well, his latest one is Meta Human. Yeah. Uh, So I I would recommend that one. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it depends. Uh, I, I actually I, I read all the time, so uh, I have this uh, e-reader, and there are hundreds of books on this. So yeah. <laughs> nice. So you answered two of the questions in one. Then you you <laughs> you shared the, the the film that I think that she recommends everyone to go and check it out. It's called Shawshank Redemption. Um, and why did you choose that film, by the way? Just very quickly, like why why that film? What in that film do you think everyone would take away? What key lesson? I think that is so, it's so beautiful because it's about hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, probably hope is maybe something we all have, even if we're completely stuck and completely lost. <laughs> uh, I think unless we give it up, then we're really doomed. But uh, mostly, even if we're in really bad situations, we can still relate to hope. And then I think we also still have some kind of belief in ourselves. Like I, I always knew that my time was coming. Mm. Uh, like I don't feel I've changed much from when I was 15 to 20 to, you know, where I am yeah. now. But it, the world took me more seriously when I reached a certain age. Yeah, for but sure. But the core of me is, is still the same person I was at 15 or 10 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. that's so cool i love that i love that thanks for sharing that so everybody that's listening make sure you go and check out this the, the book that she shared by robin sharma 
the, the newest, the latest one, and uh, also Chopra. Oh, sorry, um, Deepak Chopra. You were talking about Robin Sharma, and he was in my yeah, mind. Yeah, that was his quote, but I somehow have moved on. Yeah. <laughs> All of these things sorry. are just in my Tony head. Now. Robin, I still love you, but. <laughs> Tony Robin. I- <laughs> a little bit deeper stuff <laughs> yeah definitely i mean one of my favorites for everyone listening is as i don't know if everybody knows but one of my favorite like mentors or people that i love to learn from even till now is jim Rohn, one of the oldest oldest like in my opinion one of the best personal development gurus of all time like he was the guy that i genuinely think without him we wouldn't have some of the leaders that we have in the world today um, he actually trained a lot, like you know, the people like Tony Robbins, some of the some of the most common kind of mindset coaches, business people, entrepreneurs that we know of today. Jim Rohn was one of the first to back in the days to kind of train them all on the mindset and how to think and to grow themselves, etc. To be a servant leader, and and that's one thing. That's one of the things that I love about him. Um, but anyway, that's it enough about me. The last question I've got for you, Lucy, is this. <laughs> And this one's very deep and I want you to, I, I'm curious about what your answer is going to be, but this is the question. If you can spend a few hours with someone that's dead or alive to learn from their wisdom, who would that person be and why? <laughs> it's a good question. It's very deep when everyone gets thinking at this moment. Well, actually, I have a whole list of people I want to meet. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. You've actually got the list. Yes. So, uh, uh, let's see who we have here. We have Oprah Winfrey. Nice. Um, let's see. Oprah Winfrey, Lisa Nichols, Deepak Chopra, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Alan DeGeneres, Trevor Noah, and uh, Indian guru, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. So, yeah. Let's see. <laughs> wow, that's so I, cool. I love the I fact didn't... that you actually have the list and you took it out. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a whole journal here with, you know, stuff to manifest. So That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> you have to. I think everybody has to have a journal, right? I've got one and it's such a fancy one because I want it to look good. I want to feel nice when I'm writing inside there and I want those things to be meaningful and deep for myself. And I know that I, if you believe in those things that you write down, then one day they will come into fruition. Uh, they'll, they'll actually yeah. be a real, reality that's when I always share like our thoughts become things when we write it down and then we take action on them yeah absolutely but sometimes you know like um, now that I'm doing this um, we for example this network is very much for women in the workplace so not necessarily for women who are reached by NGOs, but actually for women who are battling with things like the gender pay gap and, and, and uh, you know, interruptions and mansplaining every day. And having gone through, because uh, you were saying, you know, about the different jobs you've done, mm. I feel that although maybe they weren't really my purpose, I had to go through these corporate jobs to understand that experience, to be able yeah. to relate to the women that I want to reach and to actually find this, this uh, purpose. So well, I think it was part of the learning experience. And I think, you know, life is, we're here to learn. So it's a lifelong is that, learning. Is that, that going to be your last message? 
I think so. <laughs> I love it. I, no, I love it. Basically, in, in a nutshell, you're just saying like, we can never stop learning because one of my mentors taught me the day you stop learning is the day you, you actually die. Yeah. Because exactly. like learning should be lifelong. Like, we genuinely should never stop learning. We should learn from everyone and anyone, from, from a kid to, you know, to, from children to an adult to an elderly person. Everybody teaches us something in life. Yeah, so that means also we shouldn't discount certain experiences we get, even if they're negative. There probably is a lesson. Being, I mean, there's always a lesson. So always. Yeah. I love that. Honestly, Lucy, thank you so much for everything that you shared, your journey, your story, like all the, all the wisdom and all the pieces of um, information and stuff that you've, you've given everyone listening right now. I'm, I'm so grateful that you managed to give me your time and, and share all of this on here. And I genuinely have this podcast, as I say to everyone every week, is that I just want to bring on people that are doing something in their life, that are passionate about what they do. They have a story behind them. And I just want to empower the people listening to take something away from this episode and, and, and take that one step, as Lucy was saying earlier, like just start small, take the one step towards your dream, towards your goal. Even if you don't have a dream or a goal, just that one curious thing that she was saying, that, that, that curiosity that's in your mind that, that, that you really enjoy and makes you feel good, go after that. And just start with the first one small step after listening to this. Oh, Lucy, thank you so much for everything that you shared in the episode. I'm so grateful for all your wisdom and just listening to your journey and listening to everything that you shared. I'm honestly like, I was just sitting here just blown away from your story, but also just things that you, you shared that other people listening now can go and take action on in their life. So I'm super grateful. How can everyone go and reach out to you, ask you for any tips or guidance or help on anything that they need? What are the best platforms for them to go and reach out to you on? Yeah, so I would say LinkedIn, of course. That's where you found me. (laughs) I'm very active on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, when I'm not busy working, I'm I'm there. (laughs) I know your your surname is pretty hard to spell. So could you just, for the people that are listening and are not watching a video. You may want to write it down. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I can spell it, but uh, it's uh, Lucy, L-U-C-Y, and the last name is Kalkweig, S-C-H-A-L-K-W-I-J-K. So that's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> LinkedIn and the other one is Twitter. Uh, and it's my first name underscore last name. So Perfect. the same I'll name, put that in the, in the show name underscore well. last name. That's my Twitter handle. If they want to follow the network, uh, the Career Women's Network, it's, uh, it's at CWNK underscore RW. So we're quite active on, the, on Twitter. So then you can stay up to date on what's happening here, far away in, in a country called Rwanda. But <laughs> soon we'll, we'll be bringing this network other places too. So, That's super cool. And and you also mentioned that you're gonna that you have a YouTube channel that you're gonna share your um, like ch- a challenge on or of, of a video uh, series. No, uh, yeah, video twenty one day video series on different. Uh, personal professional development topics so i i just uh, finished recording a 21 day series on connection wow so if you want to learn more about human connection inner outer (laughs) connection and connection with the world uh, around us so 
uh, be sure then to follow me, the same name, just uh, Google it, Lucy Skalkweg on, uh, on YouTube. Yeah. 100%. And I'll, I'll put all of that down for everyone to go and connect with her directly as well. And yeah. as I always say to you guys, make sure you go and like actually connect with her, follow her on her platforms and genuinely just ask her a question. Like I find like most of the people I connect with on a daily basis, they don't mind if someone just asks them a question for something that they need help on in their life. They genuinely take the time out to be of service and just and give you an answer for something that you may be going through, for something that you're struggling with. Like they're always there. Like people are always there to help you. But if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, and you can also offer. <laughs> sure. Uh, I exactly. find that you, if you want to receive, you start with giving. It's much 100%. more effective. Uh, so no advertising, please. Just first <laughs> Something nice, like like Sadiq, who reached out with a, an offer for me to be on a podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Make sure you guys go and check her check her content out. I would definitely say LinkedIn is the, is her strongest profile that you need to check out. She's so active on there. But obviously, I'll put her other details in so you guys can go and check her content out and connect with her and ask her questions and offer anything that you need to offer. And yeah, I mean, Lucy, thank you so much again, once again, for, for being on the for being on the show. I'm so grateful that I'm connected to you and I'm, I'm looking forward to learn more from you. And yeah, thank you so much for everything. Thank you too. No worries. Welcome. You. Welcome. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. If you're still there, I just want to say a massive thank you for your attention and your time. It really means a lot to me. Please do me one favor and subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and leave a rating on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would honestly mean the world to me. Thank you so much once again. I hope that this episode brought value and inspiration into your life and I'll see you guys next week.